Cool, guys. So tonight we're going to talk about fear. How many people love fear? You <laughs> You know, it's funny as we've been talking about these, uh, our theme in the, I mean, the series is brain makeover. And so we've been talking about the things that make us kind of crazy in, and what do we do in our minds and specifically that there are different themes of patterns of thoughts that make us crazy sometimes, that we felt kind of crazy and out of control, that have, that have been debilitating in different ways in our life. So in this series, we've been focusing on different elements of that, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think of others. And you know, I was just coming up with topics that I know have driven me crazy myself at different times. And so fear is one of those. Now, we tend to think of fear as being a bad emotion, right? You ever think of... And I think some people think that the idea is that we're not ever supposed to have fear. Like fear is just bad in a blanket kind of way, uh, that there's something wrong with fear. And that's not the case. God actually... There aren't any... Remember we talked about in the... Uh, helping feelings be helpful section, and in the section of feelings, well, actually, I think we talked about it in the brain makeover in the original teaching, is all feelings are good and useful, that God gave us feelings and emotions, and that the, the purpose of feelings are kind of, well, besides, you know, there's a lot of enjoyment in feelings, too, but one of the things that, that feelings are great and useful for is that they are flags and warning systems to tell us something's going on. They alert us to something going on inside. So when we relate to feelings, we want to make sure that we're not looking at our feelings like, we, like where we're trying to get rid of feelings, where we're trying to shame our feelings, um, or extinguish them, etc. We want to be in a place where when feelings come up, we notice them in a way that's not, you know, avoiding or whatever, that we notice them. And then we think about, actually, I want you to open your program, the brain, we have our little program, brain makeover, everybody's got that, because we've got a little chart we're going to go through in there. If you didn't, and did anybody not get one? We've got, Marta's going to give you one. So, because I want to walk through, when we're, when we're talking about the topic of fear, I want to talk you through the steps that we went over in detail in the, in the teaching, help, helping feelings, how to help feelings be helpful, to walk you through the steps. Because we're going to look at that, and then we're going to look at some of the scriptures relating to fear in the Bible. Um, so, in the beginning, learn to have feelings and pay attention to them. So, when we have fear, we want to notice it, not try and avoid it or ignore it, notice it and pay attention. Then number two is to think about what you've been thinking about. Feelings are a reaction that's involuntary. You are not, nobody is just like purposefully having a feeling. Feelings are an involuntary reaction to things that are going on for us. So they just, they're spontaneous. And so it's not the feelings that we want to look at. We want to look at the thoughts that were led to the feeling or what, what are the things that, that we've been thinking about, what are the things that are going on in our life that led to that feeling. So we want to kind of dial back when we have a feeling, like to roll back if we don't know where the feeling came from, if you've ever been, you know, had anxiety or had fear or panic, and to roll back your brain to say, what is it that I've been thinking about? What are the things that I'm feeling um, this anxiety about? And to think about what you're thinking about. Uh, and then step three, uh, 
we're going to be getting into are your thoughts based on reality. Because sometimes we have thoughts that lead to feelings, but the thoughts we're having and the way that, and our perception about what's going on is not real. The way that we're seeing a situation is not in reality. So if it's, to, in order to figure out whether our thoughts line up with reality or not, because sometimes it's just perception. We think somebody's against us. We think um, we have no talent or ability. You know, there are all kinds of things that we think that could be absolutely wrong, and that's what's leading to whatever the feelings are. So we want to fix what we're thinking about and line it up with reality is the first thing, which is getting help from God, Scripture, and others to figure out whether what we're thinking is real or not. And then if it's not based on reality, step four, we want to get help to line our thoughts up with reality. And, you know, the verse of Scripture saying that we lead every captive, every thought to the obedience. Because here's the other part of it is you cannot control the feeling. You can control your thoughts. You can't control the individual thoughts that enter your mind, but each one of us has control over where we decide to focus our thinking. If you get a thought and it's a bunch of hooey and it's not reality, you get to go and say, you know what, this doesn't even line up with reality. And you get to choose to line up where you're thinking and placing your thoughts with what reality is. That's leading every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If it is based on reality, you're thinking, can you do something about it? Because there are things that might be, we might be afraid of that are real that we're afraid of. And sometimes you can do something about it, sometimes you can't. So we wanted to kind of look at what is it that we have power over and what are the things that we're powerless over. Um, and we're, we're actually going to walk through some of these steps, but I want to, I want to also, before we get into um, some of the n- negative aspects of fear, which is what we're used to thinking of, I want to read you a description of fear. And uh, it says, fear is a distressing negative sensation induced by a perceived threat. It is a basic survival mechanism occurring in response to to specific stimulus such as pain or the threat of danger. In short, fear is the ability to recognize danger leading to an urge to confront it or flee from it, also known as the fight or flight response. But in extreme cases of fear, terror, a a freeze or paralysis response is possible. So... There's some good, ele- you know, the, the, it's good to, like you think about when we're afraid of something that is a real danger, how, I don't know all the physical stuff, Cindy would probably be able to explain those things as far as what happens, you know, because she knows all about what, uh, the, that stuff in the mind, being a psychiatrist, so she would know a lot more about this, I'm sure, but I know that from what I'm aware of, that when we have a sensation of fear, if you've ever been in that situation, you think somebody's breaking in your house or something like that, and then all of a sudden your heart's racing and your adrenaline's going, and we go into that kind of survival mode, there's a usefulness in how our body responds that helps us to respond to danger so, or to something that's wrong. So it's not just that we want to never, ever have fear. We want to have fear, and then we want to take a look at where that fear is coming from, whether it's valid or not valid, and what to do with it. So basically, tonight, we're going to talk about what to do about fear, not how to get rid of it. Sometimes we do want to address um, the things that are getting in our way, but a lot of times I know you and I have, we've all experienced fear that's caused more the paralysis, where it stopped us from doing things. It's held us back in different areas of our lives. And that 
is horrible. We've all had, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know about you guys, but that's probably one of the worst emotions ever when it's in the state that it's holding us back from doing something that could be, a lot of times it's holding us back from doing things that could be amazing and wonderful for us. You know, where there's a perceived fear about something that it's going to cost us that's not reality. And so it freezes us from moving forward to all that God would call us to be. And so those are some of the things that we want to, uh, if you think about it, what's some of the damage that it can cause having fear that paralyzes you? You don't try things. How about that? What else? What are some of the costs of letting fear, because what it is is we don't want to be in a place where we let fear run amok and take over and don't look at what's causing the fear. You stay out of relationships. You have, we've done that, too, haven't we, a lot of times, where we've been hurt by people and we're afraid to get hurt again, so we avoid all relationships, even ones that are good, because God made relationships to be something that's good for us and that restores us and that feeds us. And, and oftentimes, I know for me, I tried at least, you know, I think I fooled myself mostly, to be in a place of blocking people out for fear that people would hurt me the way that I've been hurt before and tried to go, go it alone. Any other things? These are all great ones, guys, as far as fear. Get paranoid? You get, you get paranoid and you get angry with people thinking that they're controlling you, like reading into a situation. Again, that happens where... the. W- <laughs> Again, what, and we're going to actually look at this because there are situations in the Bible, you'll be shocked, there's so much on this topic about fear, but there's situations where, there was a, where a circumstance is totally a great thing and people are freaked out and paranoid and, and fearful and running away from even the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that that's the reaction, to, where it's something absolutely good for you and people are bolting the other way. Because fear... If it's not based on reality, oftentimes can make it our whole world turn upside down where good looks bad and bad looks good. And so our whole perception is skewed. So that's something that we're going to be talking about as well. Uh, Just some of the other things that I wrote down is it can keep you from fulfilling your purpose, from realizing your gifts, fear of failure, fear of what people think, fear of rejection, cause you not to speak up, cause you to lie. You know, there's just... You know, there's a whole lot here as far as it can be. Talk about paralyzing. It really can be incredibly paralyzing and keep you frozen from being all that God's called you to be. So what can we do? Um, Let's take a look (coughs) at one circumstance in Luke 8. And this is the the situation that, uh, because this illustrates a couple, to me, I mean, there were so many examples of this in the Bible. (coughs) But I wanted to look at really missing out in a huge, huge way and, and having everything turn upside down, which is what we were just talking about. Um, in Luke 8, and verse 34, uh, when those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported the town, in the town of the country, sorry. sorry. Uh, and when the people went out to see what happened, they came, when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. So here's a guy that Jesus had just healed, and the town came to see that this guy had been out of control, full of demons. They had known him, you know, for a long time. He had been in the town and, and was really, really, you know, uh, 
really, really amassed. He, he had lived in the tombs among dead people. This guy was, you know, he, it would make people in the psych world probably look, you know, sane. You know, this guy was really, really out there. Jesus healed him, cast out the spirits, and in a moment, he instantaneously went from being absolutely his life a wreck, you know, naked, living with dead people, uh, all kinds of terror. I mean, really bad, screwed up stuff to being absolutely in his right mind. And the response that people had, it says, was afraid. But wait, it even gets worse that this is what happened. And verse 36, it said, those who had been, uh, wait, those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gezers, uh Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with what? Fear. So he got in the boat and left. They, they told Jesus to leave their town. Jesus Christ, the Savior, the only begotten Son, shows up to their town to heal people. Miracle worker, instant healing. They saw the instant healing. They kicked him out of town, Jesus Christ, because of fear. Talk about paralyzing. Talk about turning things upside down. Talk about causing people to run from things that are healing and can deliver them and set them free. So we see the possibilities here as far as not dealing with looking at a situation, being paralyzed with fear. Who knows as far as like there's a lot of reasons when you think about, you know, what causes fear like that. I know that there are you know, it is. It's like good things seem bad to you and bad things seem good. Why? Because it's what you're used to. Some of us have come from paradigms in life. A paradigm, you know, is sort of like a way of viewing or looking at life, like the, um, the rules that you live by and, and that you make sense out of life. And some of us, I know for me, my paradigm earlier in life was so upside down that I thought bad things were good and good things were bad. Because that's just the things that I had been exposed to. So a lot of times the fear comes from a fear of change. You know what it's like now. Sometimes we're stuck in things that feel so, that are terrible, but at least we know what that is. We know what that misery is. We don't know the idea that maybe there could be healing ahead and we're fearing that it's actually going to make things worse than what we already have to move. To let go of what we have it's we think it's going to get worse you know we don't know because we just really don't know uh, let's go to John 3 one other one just to see some of the insanity that can come out of fear and just we want to be aware of that because I think sometimes we get this idea that just because we feel something it's true that's ridiculous we could feel something, and the, and the feeling is a valid reaction to what we're thinking. But the thing is, is what we're thinking sometimes is completely whack and not based on reality at all. So we need to really be aware of the fact that we can have strong emotional reactions that have no basis in reality whatsoever. You know, it's important to look at that and even to look at our history and our life and, and not have feelings run our life. That's, if we let feelings be the determinant of what we do and the choices we make, our lives will be a wreck. I guarantee you that. And be out of control. 
In John 3, in verse 19, it says, this is the verdict. It's talking about uh, light has come into the world. And a lot of this is speaking about Jesus being the light, the context of this. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they might be seen, so it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So we see again sometimes fear as far as light goes because light is what we need to see reality. We need, you know, like in darkness, we're not seeing reality. Our, our perspective is skewed. We're blinded to many things that are going on. So for our lives to really experience healing, we want to embrace light, but we see it's understandable. Like part of the fear is the, it really is a scary thing. I know it was for me in, in, in beginning a lot of this journey of healing. It was so scary bringing some of the garbage and crap in my life into the light. For healing, The beginning of that can be really terrifying, of just really looking at things and knowing that that's exposed. But some people stay stuck there. Um, let's go to, I want to actually read you in 1 Timothy 1.7, and this is sort of, um, I want to read it in the King James just because uh, I learned this scripture a long time ago, and it really spoke to me about fear and about what the Bible says as far as what how to come up against fear, and we're going to look at the elements that are in this verse and some other verses of Scripture. In 2 Timothy 1, in verse 7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and, a sound, and of a sound mind. So it, the, in the King James, it's worded timidity in the um, NIV, which the word can be translated timidity or fear. So, but I've always loved because I think the truth is, is, is God is not giving us fear. Like he is not causing that inside of us. But what God gives is, and this is what helps us to get rid of fear. And we're going to look at this in scripture is power, love, and a sound mind. It's the love of God, the power of God, and the soundness of mind embracing reality that helps get rid of, of fear paralyzing fear. So we're going to look at those three and some verses that help. Uh, In Luke 8, uh, there's a verse of scripture, another situation. We're going to um, take a look at some of the elements in here in Luke 8. This is another Jesus story. And in verse 22, um, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. They got into a boat and set out. They sailed. He fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. So it doesn't say that they thought that they imagined that they were in great danger. What we're reading right here is that it was a storm that was factually great danger, not perceived, not imagined, um, Like I say, the verses that we were reading before were feared, like the the people that were fearing Jesus in their town was perceived danger that they thought, you know, for many, there there could be many reasons, you know, that they were, um, that they made up in their head as far as what it would cost them to have Jesus, probably relating to the light that we were just speaking about as far as why they kicked him out of town. But this, here we see another situation where the fear, where what's going wrong is that it was real. There, they were, there, there was real danger, not just imagined danger. 
And in verse 24, it says, the disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we are going to drown. So it's kind of interesting as I was looking at that because it doesn't say we could. I was thinking like the reaction of we are going to drown says it's a done deal. It's not going to change. We're dead. I mean, that's what that's. I was thinking about what is the difference between that and saying we could drown. The circumstances being what they are, there's a possibility of drowning here. Now, that would probably, it's interesting because I was looking at those two instances. We are going to drown. What's missing in that statement? Yes, ding, ding, ding. God is not in that. We are going to drown is is not the reality because they're looking at a situation without God in it whatsoever. And guess what? God was in this situation, and Jesus Christ was even in the boat, for goodness sake. So they're kind of missing a big chunk of reality here. So in in how they're viewing the circumstances, it is understandable to recognize that there's a real danger, that the danger is is not pretend. But... um, there, we are going to drown takes the fact that Jesus is in the boat uh, out of there. So it says, he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. And in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. So it's really interesting. There's a lot of scriptures on fear. And in many of the verses, it talks about one of the big parts of fighting fear is faith. One of the, I'm telling you, I don't care whether the fear is real or it is perceived and not based on reality. In any instance, faith is a factor in how we come against fear. Bringing God into the circumstance, and we're going to take a look at this, is bringing reality into the circumstance. Because we're not alone. Whether the danger is real or it's not real, Part of what helps us move through fear is recognizing that God is bigger than whatever the circumstances are. And that was the truth that they weren't acknowledging right there. Let's take a look at um, uh, Psalm 55. And um, Psalm 55 So we've got kind of fear of circumstances based on reality. Let's look at, because we looked at some of the fears that weren't based on reality, like afraid of Jesus. Um, uh, Some stuff that, for circumstances that is. And now we're going to look at fear when it comes to people, because people can actually be dangerous too, as we talked about last week. There are people that the danger is real. You know, there's safe people and there are unsafe people in this world. Um, Safe people are people that are trustworthy and worthy of trust. Unsafe people are not. So in Psalm uh, 55 and verse 1, we kind of see, it's just, there's a lot of elements in this. It says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I'm distraught. Um, Now, this is great because... Number one, if you've got fear, is pray. This is not the time to run from God. You can see right here, we felt this way. I mean, this is a vivid description. It says, my thoughts trouble me and I am distraught. 
that that's what was going on. This is not, and you're going to see that this is a time which sometimes we do feel overwhelmed by things. We have all gone through this. Where, where the circumstances, sometimes the real circumstances that feel like we're getting hit from every side and it just feels, it's troubling. You know, it is troubling. It says, my thoughts trouble me and I am distraught at the voice of, of the enemy, at the stares of the wicked, for they bring down suffering upon me and revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. This is bad. But you know what? I mean, how, how, ma- you know, how many of us have felt this way at some time? I think everybody has. I don't know a person that hasn't had the, been in that place where we're just as bottom and as helpless and overwhelmed as can be. <laughs> and this is so interesting because is, isn't this the way that, our, that it sounds sometimes? I said... Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away (laughs) and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. Confuse the wicked, O Lord, confound their speech, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave the streets. If an enemy were, oh, so in this, in this part we see, which is important to recognize that the world has a lot of darkness in it. We, if you're going to look at the darkness, it will be overwhelming, I promise you that. Without, as if, well, particularly if you look at the darkness without God in the picture. It will feel, uh, you'll feel like you're drowning in it. Because there is a devil, you know, he is the God of this world, the Bible says. And he comes to steal, kill, and to des- destroy In verse 12, it says, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. So what happened here, which we've all also encountered, is he was, he's saying, I could handle it if my enemies betrayed me, but he was just betrayed by a close friend, by somebody that he had led into his heart. And I know we've all encountered that as well, where there are people that we took into our bosom that we cared very much for and gave our hearts to that weren't trustworthy people that have betrayed us. And that's what he's saying. He's like, I, he's looking. You can see the heartache. You can see the pain. I've, I know what this feels like to love people. And it's just shocking. It's shocking when you've let people into the deepest parts of you and they turn their back and hurt you in ways that are unimaginable. It's like, I could take it if an enemy were insulting me. I couldn't endure it if it was a foe. But it's a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, whom with I enjoyed sweet fellowship. This even sounds like, like as we walked with the throng at the house of God, this is a brother. This is somebody that believed in God. This isn't some unbeliever. This is somebody that he had even spiritual fellowship with that was hurting him. It says in verse 15, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the grave, for evil finds longing among them. But I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He ransoms me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. How great is that? I'm telling you, God, who is enthroned forever, will hear them and afflict them, Selah, men who never change their ways and have no fear of God. Now, 
My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. Oh, wait, was I going to read that part? Yeah, sorry. Um, his speech is as smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. But you, O God, bring down the wicked into the pit of corruption. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. So we get that people can be deceitful. They can sound good on the outside. What they're saying in their words can be like butter. But it's absolutely, but it says that they've got a sword. We've all been up against this where everything looked good on the outside, but we've been completely betrayed. But the thing about this is, and that's really significant, is that the promise is, and I believe this, and we saw this last week with Joseph, that in this mix, it's still God that's going to take care of us. It doesn't matter what people do against us, what they say against us, no matter how much they take us out. I've had enemies, and it's not been fun. I, like, it, it sucks about my life sometimes. I've had them in the acting world. I've had them in the church. I've had, it's been hard. I've gone through caring about people deeply and passionately and had them just run little hate groups about me. It just is hor- it's shocking. I just sit there and go, try and make sense out of it, and it's just like, well, all I've done is love this person. How, uh, how did I ask for this? How did this happen? And it sucks, but the thing is, is whether people are not trustworthy or not, we still have a God that will have our back and that will carry it through through us, that will take care of our heart. And I have to say, I've been through it like there were a few years ago that I had this group of people that were rallying around me, and it was bad. They were just trying to hurt my business and going on the Internet, and it was frightening to me. And you know what's really weird is my biggest fear in my life, like, as a, you know, for many years, and w- was, I would even have nightmares and dreams. So this is a sensitive topic for me, where all of a sudden I'd wake up and everybody would leave me that, that, um, that, that were my friends. And I had, and the fear was inside of me because of the fact that I've had people in my life, and as a young person, you know, I had so many untrustworthy people around my life. My own family was untrustworthy untru- and hurtful. So for me, I was just sort of, you know, I wanted to let people in and I wanted to trust, but I was always afraid that people were going to run away and I didn't even know what safe people look like and unsafe people look like, so I had no guidelines even for what that was. And so for a long time when I started particularly opening myself and taking risks to let people in and the healing journey, (coughs) I still had this panic that thought I'd wake up one day and people would just abandon me and walk out. You know, and I would literally have dreams, you know, that, that, you know, that people would walk, like, leave and I'd have no friends left because of some of the earlier hurts. And that's how, where I had had a hurt from, an, from my childhood hurt that caused me to have the fear and panic about people that lasted for a while. But what, it's taken me time to really get and to, to understand that if I'm walking with God and I'm seeking God, if people try and hurt me, they're not going to really be able to do much. The people that I know that a few years ago that tried to attack me, and it was very, very scary. There were people that I was close to. I actually thought they could maybe hurt my business, but I just kept praying. And I mean, I felt like this person. I felt like the guy in the psalm where I was on my knees and I was just like, God, I don't understand it and help me. And 
it, gosh, there none of those people have jobs working. I mean, it's just like their lives did not go very well. <laughs> like, you know, my life is just, be, you know, God is taking care of me and protected me. So all the fears, you know, over time, I'm like, wow, God was big enough. I, you know, I'm seeking God. I, he took care of me. So as rocky and as scary as it looked at the time, God will carry us through. God is big enough. So this is a big piece as far as reality goes, that there might be real things in our life that look scary, whether it's people, circumstances, etc. And we can do nothing about it. I just heard another, gosh, I, I, not just in my life, but I've been hearing these stories about this for so many other people that have been sharing stories with me too, where they've had enemies and people come against them or what have you. And, and it was super scary, but God just carried them through. And that's what this is saying, that we can have faith in that. And that that's got to be, talk about bringing the picture into reality. Faith and God being present has to be a part of the reality if we're seeking him. If we're not looking at that, then we're not really looking at reality. So it's the power of God. So we looked at part of it is overcoming with God's power and part of it is overcoming with love. Let's go to... um, uh, let's see. Oh, the other thing, too. Um, Psalm 55. Let's go to First John 4. In the end, this is the other thing. We talked about power, love, and a sound mind. We've already been kind of talking about the reality and the sound mind part of it. And we talked about the power of God, bringing that into the equation. We saw that with um, the circumstances with the guy in Psalms and people. We also saw it with um, the storm. Uh, let's take a look at First John 4, and we're going to look at the love part of it. First John 4, and in verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I would say, and then it says, we love because he first loved us. So, you know, coming against fear and even people that we're afraid of, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday that it's true that, that you don't, you know, not everybody's trustworthy, but God still calls us to love everyone. Whether they're trustworthy or not trustworthy, God calls us to love. The way that we are able to love people even if they hurt us, Jesus Christ on the cross had people that crucified him. And he said, forgive them, Father, for they know what th- not what they do. He loved the people that crucified. Talk about being wronged. I can't even imagine. I think about the ways that people have wronged or hurt me. It's not anywhere come close to the d- Jesus Christ. So I, you know what? If Jesus Christ can love people like that, I can too. And I can love, and the Bible says we can love because he first loved us. The only way that we can love when people are hard and harsh with us is because of the fact that we are filled up by his love and we have love to give. That doesn't mean you trust people. There's a difference. You can love people and not give them trust. You know, where you don't invest, you don't give them the keys to your car, you don't, you know, uh, you know, or you know what I'm saying? Like, in areas that pe- if people aren't trustworthy with finances, you don't loan the money. If people aren't trustworthy in romance, you don't give them your heart in that way. But you can love people without giving them things that they're, that they're not to be trusted with. Telling them your secrets. Telling untrustworthy people things that are, you know, 
being vulnerable, being needy, looking, all of those things. But you can still love. And um, love is always more powerful. Like hate doesn't do anything. Hate's just going to make you miserable and me miserable. Being hateful, bitter, you know, there's no healing in that. Jesus Christ says that we're to love our enemies. There's no fear in love. And fear and love actually cast out fear. You want your heart to be quieter? Love. It'll really bring peace. Just try it sometime. It's amazing how much it'll just quiet things down as far as the panic goes because love is more powerful than hate. Um, <clears throat> so that's the other part of it. So the part of the love that's casting out fear is God's love for us as well as us loving other people as well. Um, let's see. Let's go to, let's close out in um, Psalm 112. Um, one of the things that the Bible speaks about, which might surprise you, is it actually tells us that we're to fear God. Now, and it's interesting because there's a lot of scriptures on fearing God. And, and it actually even contrasts, there's a number of different places where it says to fear God, not people. Most of us are so worried about what people think that we're acting like God is not even there or powerful. That's, I'm telling you, this is stupid. <laughs> it just is. I mean, we're all worried about what some person thinks and we're ignoring what God thinks. The, 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 the spirit that created the whole heavens and the earth, we're, we're ignoring what God has to say or think about the situation is a foolish way to live. It says over and over in the Bible that the fools don't fear God. There are many people that are walking through this life that are just laughing and ignoring and have no fear of God and are proud of that. They're ignoring that there is a God, the creator of all life, and I'm telling you, it's not a good place to be, guys. It won't serve you. It's not a blessing to be unaware of the fact that there is a supreme being that is so much bigger than us and to ignore everything that God speaks. It's, it's, it, there's a cost for it. There will be a cost now. There's going to be a cost later in our lives. And so it talks about that a lot. We just actually read it with the guy that in Psalms that was talking about his friends turning on him, that there's no fear of God. It says over and over, we should have a fear for God. We should have an awe that God is God and we're little. <laughs> it's a good thing to have kind of a, whoa, I think maybe I should listen. You know, that there's at least, that there's a kind of check, you know, to have a reverence for God, to, to think that, I know we've been angry at God, but I don't cross the line of being irreverent to God. I think it is good to be like, God, I'm angry, I'm upset. You see that in the Psalms, but I'm not, you know, I'll express my anger, but I am, you know, I'm like, uh, I'm not going to say, cross that line, uh, you know, in, in uh, being blasphemous or other things like that. But, um, so it's important to keep that in check. And it says, to fear the Lord, not people. In Psalm uh, 112, uh, and a lot of times it's weird because we have a contest between people and God. And guess who we pick? The people. We're worried about what, what's this person going to think instead of what God's going to think of us. So we shut up, we lie. We saw it. Oh, you know what a great one is? You know, the, the, the guy that was, healed blind, uh, that was born blind and was healed by Jesus Christ, he's born blind, Jesus instantly heals him, 
and they ask his parents who healed him, and they lie because they're afraid of what the people think. I just got chills thinking about that. But this is what we come up against over and over again. We're so worried about what someone else thinks that we are not going to speak the truth and not take a stand for God and not speak for what's true about what God says. I'm not doing that. I'll I'll take the hits, honestly. I'm going to speak for God, and if you want to not be happy about that and get mad at me or say crappy things, God bless. (sighs) I'm going to love you because that's what God tells me to do. (laughs) Psalm 112 in verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commandments. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and and his righteousness endures forever. This is the place to have some, you know, you want to be concerned about what someone thinks? There's a lot of blessing in worrying about what God thinks. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. There's, look at the contrast there. His heart is steadfast. What? Trusting in the Lord. Wait, I didn't hear that. His heart... Is steadfast what? Trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no what? Fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be filled high in honor. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked come to nothing. That's what will happen, guys. This is really... You got to pick a side. I'm, come on, guys. Let's pick God's side on this. Let's not be afraid and fearful of what people think of us. Let's stand on the side of God, the creator of life, and take a stand for him and speak for him and not be silent and not shut up and speak what's right, speak what's true, and take a stand. That's, that's where, if we, that's a good, this is the good place to have fear is in the sense of really getting it that God's the creator and that we should have kind of like, okay, you know, don't want to mess with crossing the line with God, you know? So in looking at this and wrapping this up, we want to, and we'll walk through the steps uh, again, is we want to think about what we're, we want to notice our fears. We want to think about what we're thinking about. We want to separate it out into reality, not reality, get help with that, uh, and then look at the things that we can change or not change. Uh, But faith is a big part when it comes to fear in the ingredient. It's a part of what we want to, in reality, be seeking God and bringing God into the situations because there are situations that are scary. There are situations that we don't have power over that are big or really scary, but whether they're real fear or not real fear, God is bigger. God is God, the creator of all life, and we can bring him in to all situations in life so that we don't have to be afraid that God can cause us to triumph and give us the victory in every situation. Amen? Amen. 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 Let me pray. Heavenly Father, um, I'm so thankful that we can come to you in places that we have fear. I know that there have been times in my life that fear has just felt 
just horrible where I have felt imprisoned by it and, and overwhelmed and, and just feel like, you know, situations in life are just too big or too heavy, but I always have more peace in looking at you and, and understanding and looking at your love, that you love us, that you don't abandon us, that you care, that we don't have to deserve it, but we can seek you out and you'll be there for us and backing us up and taking care of us. All we have to do is seek you, Lord. You said, seek and we will find, and that, and that we are seekers of you, and that we want, help us, Lord, to bring you into every circumstance in life, every situation, that we know that, that, that with you, that we have the majority and nothing is too big for us, and that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to cower in fear. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen. Uh, next week, just we will be closing up our brain series, and we're going to talk about the power of actions, and I want to talk about when do you just do it and when do you just say no. There's actually a time where there's a big relationship between power and actions, and so we're going to talk about when it's appropriate to say no and when to just do it. So uh, we'll be doing that next week.